Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie lovers. As always, please beware of spoilers. Otherwise, you may find out that Nanook of the North faces a continuous battle with the unforgiving landscape. That's right, this week we are discussing Canadian films. I'm your host, Sean Dunham, and joining me are my two fabulous co-hosts, the log-driving waltzer, Sonia Stanger. Hi. And Big Beaver himself, Jeremy Laguie. <laughs> Big Beaver? That's Canadian. I'm glad that's... <laughs> Hello. A, I'm glad those were reversed. Ooh, I thought about that. <laughs> I'm a kind man. You are. Um, so, let's talk some Canadian films, you guys. Okay. What makes... Okay there. What makes... Uh, Film oh, yeah, Canadian. Hey. Oh, jeez. Oh. oh, jeez. We sound like we're from yeah. Minnesota. <laughs> you guys, that's not Canadian. That's not how Canadian sound. That's a real stereotype theory. <laughs> Let's go I can't even rip. look at you when you do this. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Is it the director's background that makes it Canadian? Is it the subject? Is it its location? Is it its funding? What is it? Many things. Is it all of it? There are official definitions, and then I think there are the definitions that are a little more squibbly and amorphous. What has the CRTC to say about so, it? So there is an official point system under the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission, um, which everyone knows is important. And obviously, as Canadians, and this is something I'll talk about a little later, um, identica- identification demarcations, I think, are important to us as Canadians. So mm-hmm. that's part of the reason the CRTC exists. Um, but basically, they certify as a Canadian TV program uh, or series. Oh, no, sorry. A movie, specifically, mm-hmm. is what we're here to talk about. Yep. Um, there are basically 10 potential points that a film can get, and, if, and it has to get six out of the 10 points. So, director is worth two points if they're Canadian. Screenwriter, two points. First and second lead performers or voice is one point each. The production designer is one point. The director of photography is one point. The music composer is one point, And the picture editor is one point. Hmm. Wow. So, obviously, that's a very specific set of definitions. Um, but there are also, I think, movies that are like kind of in a gray area that people would say like are maybe Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know Juno is one that we had questions about. We do. Um, because the director, Jason uh, Reitman, Reitman, is mm-hmm. Canadian. Um, Ellen Page and Michael Sarah are both Canadian, the two leads. Um, what's her name? Diaz. Diablo Cody. Diablo Cody is not Canadian. And, like, I think officially it does not pass the six points right. thing. But it was also shot largely in Vancouver. But it's close. So it's got Canadian sensibilities. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's Canadian. No, I don't think it is no. either. Where does it take place in the story? Uh, I don't think it specifies. I don't know. But I think it might, I think it's presumed to be America. Does anybody the buy Amer- anything in Juno? The U.S. Yeah. Do we get There's to see any scene. of that green? There's a great scene when she I- buys... When she goes to buy a pregnancy test mm-hmm. from Rain Wilson, he's this, he's a sarcastic store owner, <laughs> but I couldn't say for sure what greenbacks what greenbacks they're using because I'm so focused on their banter. She probably oh. used debit. <gasps> she might have used debit. She might have used debit. That's a very unclear. Skillful way. She was drinking Sunny D. Do they have that in the states? Or was it more of an orange Gina? <laughs> <laughs> Orangina. Orangina. <laughs> Is that only Canadian? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know anything. Okay, anyway. Jared, I, assume, I assume Sunny D is available in the States. What do you think makes movies Canadian? Because um, I have other stuff to say, but... Well, there's there are definitely movies that are clearly Canadian. Ooh. Well, I'll see what I did there. <laughs> R.I.P. <No. laughs> oh, too soon, Sean. Uh, 
I don't know. There's a certain, dare I say, Canadian-ness mm-hmm. in a lot yeah. of these things. Because I think of a movie like Deadpool, which is very tied to Canada in many different ways, both in production and in the creators and in the story. But it's not a Canadian movie. No. no. Right? Like, it's easily not a Canadian movie. And it, I, it's not Canadian-owned, I don't think, either. But no, and I think that's largely the question for me. Mm-hmm. The owner's follow, probably follow the, the money, money, as Sean said earlier. <laughs> the owner's probably the biggest indicator for me. Yeah, produ- who produced it, mm-hmm. who owns it. Yeah. Um. What you so you mentioned like a specific Canadianness. Mm-hmm. What can you can you flesh that out a little bit for me? I can. Uh, sometimes it's a, a slight dip in quality. Ooh. Uh, sometimes it's a. Uh, Whenever a movie is overtly Canadian, it, like, takes place in Toronto or Vancouver mm. or Weyburn. Like, they let you know <laughs> that we are here in Weyburn. Mm-hmm. What are some of those good Weyburn films? Well, Weyburn films, <laughs> yeah. uh, such as Welcome to Weyburn and the sequel, Goodbye from Even Weyburn. More Weyburn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Weyburnier. <laughs> Weyburn. And the spinoff, I'm Weyburned Out. Ooh. <laughs> That's excellent. Um... I I just remember watching what was that thing called when you it was like the movie station where they gave on demand and all the on demand stuff was all this Canadian movies and it was like they put a lot of money into it but they used the equipment I had at home. Mm. Yeah, that why, was that was in early two thousands. Why do some Canadian looks films look so Canadian? Is it a is it a budget situation? I think so. That's definitely equipment because. Funding structures are really different here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Jer, obviously you can speak to this better than I can as someone who's actually made movies and makes movies. Um, Sometimes. But, you know, I think, in, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, in the States, um, it's more private production companies. And in Canada, there's a lot of public funding that goes into film. Well, there's, like, there's of course, private movies right. in the states yeah. yeah but there's just a lot of infrastructure yeah right there's a lot Private of people, infrastructure though i would say uh but you know you're a guy who you know shoots a camera or whatever yeah you'll work for whoever's going to pay you right and if there's no work and someone's going to pay you a little bit you'll work for them mm-hmm. so it's i don't it's it's kind of strange and especially in the sort of marvel ish world we live in today where a movie has to make all of its money in the theater yeah and where canadian movies don't go to the theater right uh you know there really needs to be that support there and uh yeah right and so so here things like telefilm which is the crown corporation that distributes um federal money for filmmaking and the national film board are obviously like huge pieces of film creation in canada yeah. Well, but I mean, used to be right. Exactly. Like that's the thing. There are questions of how funding has changed, right? And declines in funding, I think, are, is is a conversation to be had, especially in this province. Mm-hmm. Fil- film tax lot, credit. Yeah, that makes a lot of like cooperative funding. Mm-hmm. That, like, like I feel like British, uh, you know, like British films and like Irish mm-hmm. films and stuff are always just like uh, in collaboration with New yeah. Zealand film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Film Ireland, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, just And a lot of Canadian wherever. movies, I think, have also a lot of those that. same collabs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, it just becomes necessary, right? And not every 
I know I just said every Canadian movie takes place in Canada, but not all of them do. Right. And when you're making, I don't know, Troll Hunter, and it doesn't matter where you are, but you need to be in the jungle, you need to be in the jungle. Yeah. Or you need to fake it well enough to look like you're in the jungle. (laughs) I used to work for a production company in in town that will go unnamed. (laughs) But they, the shocking sets that they would find, just like a shrub of trees that is now like a jungle or like a a bluff that's now a desert was so shocking sometimes. you gotta make it you gotta make it work sean you gotta do what you yeah. can or like how they dust off any like any random actor and like yeah. slap a beard on him and he'd be like a historical figure <laughs> that i also not named but okay so speaking of what makes movies canadian will you guys come on a little journey with me to literary theory corner oh my god take no. us with you let's go come with so, me and we'll see so obviously my frame of reference as an english major um is going to be literary theory but i think there are some some interesting parallels here um so a lot of like and a lot of uh canadian studies and like theories of canadian identity are closely related to literary theory which is partly why i'm going here so one of the things that i immediately think of when i think of like our identity as Canadians and how we form our identity, especially in terms of art, is Margaret Atwood, who it's been well documented, we're fighting um, <laughs> because fighting. of her online presences and the things she who's refuses this, to who's apologize this we for. You uh, Margaret and I, Megs and I. <laughs> okay, gotcha. We're fighting. Okay. Megs and Sans are <laughs> we're really at each other's throats right now. If you guys um, could work this out, that would be great. Okay, I know. I wish. I wish that she would, you know, just give a little, but she's got some good theory. Is the problem? Mm-hmm. So. She released sort of a an important canonical text in Canadian studies called Survival, a Thematic Guide to Canadian Literature in 1972. And she sort of positioned that, or posited that Canadian identity is characterized by the symbol of survival. So this kind of omnipresent use of victim positions. So it's often... Um, that the the central character or characterization it has to do with like uh an antagonistic relationship to land like in a, a sort of essential like need to survive in a difficult world mm-hmm. which i think comes through in terms of like 20th century stories anyway uh mm-hmm. which kind of comes from northrop fry again we're getting deep into literary <laughs> theory corner here here we go but he talks about uh garrison mentality which is that characters are always looking outward and building metaphorical walls um against the outside world <clears throat> and i was curious about whether any of the sort of canadian films that y'all are thinking about this week kind of fit those patterns because i see those things as being both very true um and also true too simple so um like a lot of a lot of I, I do sort of get where that's coming from, this sort of Canadian identity as survival mm-hmm. and also as like survival against American influence is sort of the other side of yeah. that coin. Um but I was curious about whether what what you guys thought of that. Um I definitely agree with the sort of victim element because mm-hmm. I do think of there's this this thing we learned about in film school. Uh this whole idea of the sort of Canadian loser stereotype. Yeah. And that's definitely a thing. It's very funny. We we all know what it is. Mm-hmm. And like the Trailer Park Boys knocks it home. Right. Strange Su- Brew. Yeah, super hard. Um so I do I do definitely see that. The other part I'm not I wonder if that's more of a starting off point because yeah. there's always the the whole idea of the like, you know, the Americans had the old west 
mm-hmm. and we have the like Hudson's Bay Trading Company Voyager existence, you know, like the pioneerish sort of thing mm-hmm. going on. But uh, I I wonder if because some of the movies I'm going to bring up in a bit kind of break that in literal or less literal ways. Cool. And I'm wondering if you know, as of 1976, when this these ideas were established, mm-hmm. if maybe true then have we subverted that or used that to grow right you know? yeah i think probably that's true and a lot of it's been a reaction to that because mm-hmm. this also was this moment that was like between modernism and postmodernism. like it was very 20th century it was very and there's been really strong reactions to that so let's keep that in mind and just do well, a little check-in as we talk about our films. Thank good. you for indulging Literary Theory Corner. Thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Literary Theater Corner. Do, Theory do, Corner. Yeah, right. screwed up that announcement. Trumpet. <laughs> Trumpet call. So I was thinking a little masterpiece theater. That was too. Um, okay, well then let's... <laughs> let's talk about movies, let's maybe. Let's up into these movies. <laughs> let's drop what some What did you guys start watching this week? Uh, I want to bring up a movie that I saw... A long time ago, and I actually could not find a copy of. I didn't look that hard. I'm going to be honest. Uh, it's called Way Downtown, mm. and it is one of my favorite Canadian movies. Favorite feature Canadian movies. It is about a group of friends who live in downtown Calgary, and it is essentially about they make this bet where they're going to see who can stay inside the longest because the whole downtown sector is all connected, mm. and they all kind of start to go crazy. And the girl has to start surviving by um, she starts ripping out perfume things from magazines and she's like stuffing her pockets with them and like huffing them as she goes from meeting to meeting to just try and stay sane the main character uh, seems uh, not a great (laughs) it's not a good strategy (laughs) the main character finds a loophole i think it's the main character where he uh he goes into like a roller garbage can and then gets a friend to roll him in between two buildings so he kind of like gets Gets outside and uh he also there's they have like smoking chambers so he goes in those a lot Mm. And then, uh, what's his name? Don McKellar? Is that his Canadian actor? McKellar? McKellar. I think that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is in it, and uh, his name in the in the film is called Sadly I'm Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's sort of a, a narrative about him trying to possibly commit suicide in the fashion, where you take a, a two-liter pop bottle and fill it with coins, and then break your window and jump out with it. So he's, like, practicing to try and get this thing through. But it's safety glass, so he's unable to do it. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> That's quite dark. It's pretty good. It's good. So what makes this movie super Canadian? Uh, it looks... If you watched a trailer or saw a poster, you'd be like, oh, this is a Canadian movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was a huge uh, huge budget for Way Downtown. Do they win? Just someone win? Someone wins. But uh, they all also lose. Lose. <laughs> um, but... Uh, no, it's great. It's really good. It's very, um, it's very Calgary, if that makes any sense. Um, and it, uh, it just sort of is this weird little story about. I don't think it could happen anywhere but Calgary. I think that's the sort of well, charming right. little bit of it, because uh, yeah, it's just. I, I yeah. was literally there last. Was that last spring when? When was the final um, Tragically Hip tour? Speaking of really Canadian oh. things. 
I have no I idea. I think that was last summer or yeah. two summers ago. Two, two summers ago. And I was there in Calgary, and we were walking through one of the tunnels from the mm-hmm. Glenbow, and I remember saying, like, I wonder how long you could actually spend inside. Yeah. Well, it's... So there you go. If you if you That's a very Canadian you are, question. You, gotta wait. you jammed a bunch of perfume testers in <laughs> yeah, your pocket. Yeah, I did. Way downtown situation. Anyway, it's a Gary Burns film. It's a great film. It Everybody sounds good. It was on my list of to potentially watch, but... A girl runs out of time. Yeah, no. You do you do too much. I watched two this week. <laughs> that so that's is, not too much. That just that Jenga tower came crashing. Yeah, down. yeah. <laughs> I pulled the wrong. Normally, the wrong block I there. do watch several. This what week, did, what did you watch? So I watched. Two, they was actually both last night because <laughs> I'm a real last minute kind of gal. There Listen, we go. it's busy weeks. Busy um, weeks. I lo- absolutely loved both of them. And one of the things I realized as I texted you both in a manic state this morning. Um, is that I, I just haven't watched enough Canadian cinema. So I'm on a kick now. And these are both Adam Agoyan? Uh, no, actually. Oh. <laughs> so the first one I watched Show was called Incendie, or Scorched, um, as it was translated into English by uh, Denis Villeneuve, oh, yeah. who's French-Canadian. Um, it was honestly just so amazing. Um it's on Netflix, but it, they only have French subtitles. So I watched it with the French subtitles, which was great because I it's very helpful for brushing up if you yep. already are fluent. And then, like, just reading the words, I think, is helpful. Anyway, mm-hmm. I thought it was weird that there weren't English subtitles. So if you're not a French speaker, I don't know if you can cost, watch it. Oh. Costs a lot of money. does cost a lot of money. Wow. Um, Elite. Mm-hmm. Essentially, a Middle Eastern woman who's living in Quebec is dying, and she leaves two letters to her twin children, um, one to her daughter, and she says that she has to go find her father and give it to, uh, give the letter to her father, and one to her son, and she says that he has to go find a brother that they didn't know they had. And essentially, um, it's it kind of bounces back and forth between um, the mother's life in this unnamed Middle Eastern country, although it's been speculated that it sort of is a stand-in for Lebanon because a lot of the events are very similar to the Lebanese Civil War. Um, and essentially, it's just these two young people finding out uh, this whole secret history that they didn't know their mother had. Um, it was so intense, and but just like so beautifully shot, absolutely beautifully acted. Um, it was very... I could. I was having trouble sort of figuring out how to describe it in a way that would articulate what I was thinking. And then I found out it was based on a play. And I was like, oh, it's dramatic. Like, it literally is very dramatic in the sense that you can tell it was based on a play in terms of some of the just really high stakes. And, um, yeah, just a really amazing film. Like, probably one of my favorite movies that I've seen in a long time. Cool. Um, it came out in, I think, 2010. Um, yeah. And I also watched that Denis Villeneuve movie and today. Or not today, this week. Laquelle? Which um, one? It was uh, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> Same. <Nice>. Same genre. <laughs> it was very similar Dramatic. genre. Yeah. But actually, I... Because I actually have not seen the old Blade Runner. In fact, when I was <sighs> going to watch it with my this friend, I said, is this yeah, the one? Yeah, but you've never seen Juno. I said, is this the one with Sean Young? And she has three boobs. And that was a mixture of <laughs> several films. Sean. I, I was I were in a rough place. But my brain is not right. But, um, Agree to disagree. Um, but I did watch it, and I did enjoy it. And Ryan Gosling actually was very boring. He's kind of just mm-hmm. like... 
you know, robotic sad man. But you're Robin Wright is his lieutenant. Jeremy's twitching. Great. Um, <laughs> there's like a Tatiana Maslany, like, lookalike Ooh, assassin oh. woman. Um, she definitely should have been that character. We'll talk about um, it. It just looked so crazy stunning. There's, it, like, it looks amazing. Mm. There's a scene where he goes to like a like nuclear fallout Vegas where there's all these like collapsed statues of women like in the desert but through this glaring orange like fallout and they just kind of keep floating out of the the fog and it is so crazy stunning. Uh, the scene where he's like standing in front of the like giant pink holographic oh yeah and like the lighting is just like so wrong but like it looks so cool and there's so many different colors going Mm. on it's really it's really incredible the visuals are nuts Mm -hmm. yeah that part with his like it's like the siri character that he like talks to and then all of a sudden she appears in this like 50 foot woman hologram and it is nuts Mm -hmm. but does that count as a Canadian movie? No, no, well, no, probably not. <laughs> well, we've got an actor. We've got. Uh, oh, it came out on my birthday. Oh, look at that. That's nice. Well, okay, you poke a little hole in that. I sorry, I'm <laughs> sorry. It was, it was a question that I thought was relevant. No, you're right. It is relevant. You're right. But he makes great movies, and he's Canadian, French Canadian. Yes. <laughs> we all thought the other was going to say something in that moment. I was like, I was like, where are we at now? Did, did everybody answer the question? I think so. We each did one of what we... we but, one of spoiler what we alert, where we really don't know what's going on. But Listen, these people best. know what they're in for. <laughs> we're doing our best. Yeah. Okay, what else, what, did you, what else you got? What else I got? I got a huge list. Uh, a great Canadian film uh, from... I don't even remember when. Oh, my God. Um, it's called Hardcore Logo. It is a fake documentary about a band called Hard- Hardcore Logo. Uh, it's st- it's directed by Bruce McDonald. And uh, I c- can I say his name? I don't know. Hugh Dillon plays the main character, who we'll just call Joe. And if you want to look up, look up about it later. But um, it's sort of about his uh, conflict with new bandmate Billy Talent. Who you what? Made. That's yeah, hilarious. That's where they got the name. Wow. Anyway. Um, Have I ever told you about my Billy Talent cover band? <laughs> no. What? Really Talent. <laughs> Excuse me? It's just a side project. You can find it out later. Uh, I'm just joking. Is there, but oh I, it is an Are there links? It is, an on, it is an ongoing project. It is not yet You got started. me so excited, Shani. <laughs> we were anyway, both, continue. Wait, we was that Willie Talent or Really Talent? Really Talent. I, I could do Willie Talented. I think I like Really Talent. <laughs> I like Really Talent. Yeah. I really like. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, Cher. Anyway, no, keep, I am blown away right now. This keep is, your eyes on the internet. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Sorry. Keep, keep, those, keep, those, keep those internet eyes open. <laughs> Never close your tabs on this one. <laughs> refresh, people. Refresh. Okay, we gotta Hold move on. Five. Anyway, hardcore logo, hardcore logo by Bruce McDonald uh, with Hugh Dillon and then a few other folks who kind of just were in hardcore logo. Uh, it's great. It's about a punk, punk band and uh, it's a very shocking end. There is also a Hardcore Logo 2, which came out a few years ago, and I have not seen. We know how you feel about sequels. And I feel like a Canadian sequel is even more dangerous. What year is this from? Uh, Hardcore Logo? Mm -hmm. It is from when this thing loads. It will tell me where it's from. 1996. Oh. Yeah. So the 80s for Canada. (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) right. So wait, did Billy Talent... 
get their name from this. Yeah. From, from the character in the movie. Yeah. Oh, I make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Edit that out, everyone. I didn't know. I thought maybe it was. <laughs> I didn't know who was right. It wasn't the other way around. Okay. It was not okay. the other way around. No. Those Billy Talent kids are pretty hip. Yeah, there's a lot of Canadian players oh, yeah, in there's here. There's a real haircut. When you, when you look through the... Billy Town. There's a lot of, hair, <laughs> a lot of haircuts. haircuts. The other one I watched last night, they were both very intense also. I was like, <laughs> oh, I should have spaced this out a little. I was feeling some <laughs> intense feelings. It was called The Sweet Hereafter by Canadian director Adam Egoyan. A-T-O-M. Adam Egoyan. Adam Egoyan. I knew who a man is Egyptian. Adam spelt like that. And I was like, oh, I'm in the, I'm in, I'm having Middle Eastern Canadian times tonight. Mm-hmm. Like it was interesting. But I think this is significant because I think that, uh, immigrant narratives, migrant narratives, French Canadian narratives, cultural narratives are very integral to Canadian film. Mm-hmm. But we'll come back to that. Um, anyway, essentially it's like a very, it was like almost gothic. Almost like very nonlinear, very like a lot of his films um, centered on like isolation. Um, they're just quite sad, but also very like interesting. A very young Sarah Pauly, who I'll talk about later, appears in this film. Oh, I know this film. About the actually. bus crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, there's this bus crash in small town BC where 14 children are killed. And this big city lawyer comes in and is basically encouraging um, the parents who've lost children to engage in a class action lawsuit. Um, While at the same time, the movie is flashing back to his own very difficult relationship with his daughter, who is an addict. Um, And so it's just all about complicated father-daughter relationships, complicated families, dysfunctional families, like isolation. It's set in this like isolated mountain community. Um, so I would say that it very much adheres to the sort of survivalism mm-hmm. theory, mm-hmm. Um, which obviously isn't all pervasive, but I think in cer- there are certain examples. Um, and this movie is from 1983, I think. Ooh, I didn't write it down. Anyway. It's from sometime around then. Is it, it 1997? 1997. Okay. I was going to say Sarah Pauly's so only 80s, like... 30, 80s, 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 80s for Canada, Canada 80s. 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You mixed up 80s for Canada. I did. I, I got see, confused. I um, so, totally yeah. So, sense. it's a little a little further in the past in terms of how things have come. But, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'd like to watch some more of his movies because the directing style was very appealing to me. But um, what isn't else his, uh, Well, I haven't seen this, but his... Have you heard of Chloe... Yes. Yeah. Yep. I've never seen it. With Amanda Seyfried? Yeah. Yep. And Julianne Moore. It's a thriller. Is, mm-hmm. it, is it a thriller? Uh, it's, it's like a it's horror. Kind, it's kind of, it's it's more of a thriller than a horror, mm. but it's also kind of... Psych- a psychological thriller? It's kind of it's kind of boring. I feel like I heard the plot <laughs> of that and was shocked that it was Adam McGowan's, like biggest moneymaker. Yeah, um, well, but people want to see that. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a huge... No, it's a huge movie for people him. People want to see it. Yeah. Um, I watched... Uh, <laughs> A little film called uh, Bond Cop, Bad Cop. Yes. Ooh, there you go. Because I've, I've heard so much about it, but I've never seen it. What did you think? It was so enjoyable, actually. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very fun. Um, it opens like, well, actually, first it opens with a sadistic, like, serial killer. <laughs> yeah, that part's not great. Yeah, I was shocked by that. But then also he, like, slowly is, like, picking through his, like, torture devices and then picks up a hockey stick <laughs> <laughs> and kills his victim with a hockey stick. I, I feel like it's the Canadian lethal weapon. It, it was. That's, that's, that's just how I feel. You're about pretty much cop. right. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't realize, so the reason that this, like, a French cop and an English cop 
get embroiled in the same case is because the man was found hanging off of the sign, <laughs> straddling, their straddling the sign between their jurisdictions, <laughs> um, which I was like, brilliant, <laughs> so on the nose for like, <laughs> this is <laughs> how do we figure this one out? And then they both climb up a ladder. Both fall off their ladder, both grab half of the body, and split it down the middle, which was quite shocking. It's it was some pretty literal force about yeah. Canada. That was good it was. stuff. Really, you know, it's. Well, no, we'll talk about Bon Cop. Yeah, I was going to say because I have, but I have I've never about seen this. the two, but um, yeah, it was it was great. They're like, did you learn some French swear words? Oh God! Did I wish I, I could ever. say them on the air so much. Oh. Um, yeah, it was really great. Uh, what else did I love about that? Oh, yeah, it was basically, it was felt, it was filmed, it looked so Canadian. Mm-hmm. Like, every interstitial shot is just like a stylish camera streaming of like a, a car, or like pedestrians. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it looked like just like a W5, like interstitial <laughs> kind of. Um, also, uh, there was a Rick Mercer cameo as like an sort of a, Rude, oh, that's rude, right. like talking head man. Yeah, yes. and he's getting his makeup done, and ironically, yells, "Someone get this fruit away from me!" <laughs> yeah. and I was that was another big shot. I think that. it's on purpose. I oh, definitely absolutely. think it's on purpose, but I don't know if a lot of people actually no would get it. Rick Mercer's gay. Just so yeah. I was. <laughs> are there people who don't know that? I wonder. I think so. Yeah. I think um, a lot of moms think that Rick Mercer is <laughs> a very nice man. He is, which he is, but yeah. in a different way. Let's I don't even go shut up. up yeah. Okay. I'm, we should take a little break. Uh, so, it's time to listen to a word from our sponsors. So go tap a maple or slap the old puck around for a bit. <laughs> and when you get back, we'll be talking more Canadian film. A spoiler alert on 91.3 CJTR Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert with Sean Dunham, Sonny Stanger, and Jeremy Leguie. We're going to roll up the rim on a few more Canadian films after. <laughs> you are going to play a little game lovingly called The Game. It's game time, people. For those who are not aware, I spend all week pouring through lists of films relevant to that week to find one that these two have not seen. It took me over 11 seconds this very, week very to find a title that neither of these two have seen. Um, I tell them the title of the movie, and uh, they tell me what they think it's about. Then I tell them what it's really about. We all have a good chuckle and move on with our day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, oh. it's game time, people. What do you got? The title for this week is Wheat Soup. <clears throat> that title again, Wheat Soup. Wheat Soup. Picture this. Oh. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. Were you going <laughs> to? No, no, no. You looked like you were thinking. <laughs> no, you came in. Gluten intolerance <gasps> has gripped the nation. <gasps> did I steal yours? You literally did. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I mean, it's a very, it's very it of is, our it, moment. Yeah, okay. Maybe we'll go in different directions. Yeah, okay, okay, gluten intolerance has gri- gri- gripped the nation. <laughs> I lost my steam. I'm sorry. Um, oh, no. Uh, so one enterprising uh, lo- small business owner decides that he's going to start sneaking wheat into all of his products as like a test to mm-hmm. see how many people are actually affected. <gasps> In the meantime, stuff happens. Stuff. And it comes out that in fact only like 70, nope, only <laughs> like That's two, a lot. <laughs> only like 20% of the people who said they were gluten intolerant actually had an issue. Wow. It was just in the fashion gag. Yeah. <gasps> oh, I really lost it there when I found it. I stole your idea. <laughs> 
Maybe you didn't. Sean, um, we too. So, well, my idea was... Picture um, it. Picture it. A woman plagued with celiac disease. Um, and wheat soup is a reference to her BMs. Oh, no. And, she, <laughs> and whenever she's affected, it's sort of like a Groundhog's Day scenario where every day she tries to figure out um, what has given her reaction. And whenever, it ha- whenever she's affected, she says, here we go. Wheat soup. Groundhog Day. <laughs> Who stars in that movie, Sean? Oh, um, I'm thinking like Bridget Everett, maybe. Amazing. Yeah. That's probably a good call. Sean's is gross. Mine was nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we all We're on a roll. Oh, Canadian victim mentality. Uh, <laughs> I'm building a wall right now. Yeah. Well, wheat soup is actually made by two local uh, <gasps> filmmakers, How Gerald Saul and Brian Stockton, both at the University of Regina, both friends of the show. Wow. Um, the actual, this is, this is the full synopsis of Wheat Soup. A wheat farmer in the post-apocalyptic future encounters a variety of unusual characters while traveling across the land. Wheat Soup. That so sounds great. no celiac disease involved. Well, mm-hmm. we don't know that. Oh, you're right. I don't know the full plot. <laughs> Could be a I will be holding my breath. 1987, seek out wheat soup if you have not. Uh, I think the easiest way is to just go to the university and annoy Brian or Gerald until they just fork a copy over. We don't recommend. We don't endorse that. Don't That's endorse. Jeremy's That's personal opinion. I just, if you it want... is not endorsed by the station or by spoiler alert proper. <laughs> you guys really jump ship on me there. We don't <laughs> well, endorse we'll the harassment of the, professors. I was just like, hey, can I get a copy of wheat soup? Oh, yeah, sure. Anyway, wheat soup. Thank you for good, that. good job with the game, everybody. You guys, Lydia. You guys nailed it. Thank you. All right. We should have done this whole episode half in English, half in French. No, oh, that would oh. not have been. And ended with a little bit of cream. Maybe oh, well, you would start because I famously took um, phys ed instead of French because my high school is so small. I still reel with the idea that those two are different that was the choices. O- <laughs> that was the only choice I had through high school of uh, classes. Hmm. You know, that's why I'm very well-rounded. And that's why Quebec wants to be its own country. <laughs> Just kidding. It only sort of happens. Sean Dunham uh, took Jim instead. Anglophile. Yeah, let's separate. Anglophile. Anglophone, through and through. Okay, let's talk about more. What about you, Sonia? You were talking about an Indigenous filmmaker? Oh, well, I was going to say, I don't know. I've, I was debating with myself all week about whether or not it was important to bring up Indigenous filmmakers who live in Canada or whether it suggests that those indigenous filmmakers are necessarily Canadian, which, of course, they are not if they belong to a sovereign nation. Ultimately, I erred on the side of we should talk about it. Um, so just I have a couple that I wanted to talk to talk about. I would love to talk to both of them, frankly, but um, to specifically um, Alanis Obamsawin. I knew I was going to get it wrong, so I psyched myself out, um, who's an Abenaki filmmaker, um, which is a nation in Ontario. Uh, which and within the boundaries of Ontario, um, who is one of the most prolific documentary filmmakers on these lands. Um, she's made over 50 films. Her 50th film came out last year called Our People Will Be Healed. Um, she made a documentary uh, called Kaneksatake, uh, 207 Years of Resistance, um, about the Oka crisis in 1993, uh. which people have pointed to as like the sort of preeminent um, indigenous documentary film. 
Um, a lot of her work is on the National Film Board's website, so mm-hmm. if folks want to um, check that out, there's a lot of, you can stream some of it for free. Um, you can see a lot of her work. She's an absolutely amazing human being, obviously, who's made a lot, a lot of films, um, both short and feature length. Um, and she, one of the things that she talks about is how her experience in school um she didn't attend a residential school, but it was still a time in Canada's history where uh, there was a lot of really vicious misinformation about Indigenous people being spread. And sort of her experience with racism led her to wanting to uh, express what her own experience and what the experiences of people uh, she knew was like. And so she says that that's what led her to making films. So I thought cool. it was important she to mention her. Amazing. And then my second one, I'll just... You know, it's great when you have marginalized populations and you just have them in one category <laughs> on their own. That's a great choice on my part. Um, but we can talk more broadly about it. So Zacharias Kanuk, who is an Inuk filmmaker, who people may have heard of his 2001 movie Adonajewat. Nailed that one. The Fast Runner, um, which was the first feature film ever to be written, directed, and acted entirely in Inuktitut. Um, and what I found interesting, I saw this movie a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I wanted to rewatch it this week, and I failed <gasps> because I'm a bad Canadian. Busy week. Um, it <laughs> was the, pressure, it man. was actually the top grossing Canadian release of 2002 over Men with Brooms. Um, mm-hmm. Which, I mean, <laughs> low bar maybe, yeah, but. Man, I was gonna say, Men with Brooms did not do super well. <laughs> no, but like. Top grossing film. The fast runner. Wow, so top grossing film. Much better. That's. Paul Grossing. Yeah, oh, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I didn't hear you. He's just first. staring at us, waiting for us. Like, for was there no, <laughs> joke? no reaction. So, yeah, that's a beautiful movie. Just like these incredible, sprawling, beautiful shots of Arctic landscape. Hmm. Well, that you bring it up, I do want to talk about the NFB because for a long time it was kind of like. Uh, a paycheck of trust that you would make something cool and represent Canada and it's not what it used to be mm-hmm. but for a long time uh, I've mentioned before Norman McLaren who is my favorite uh, you know just incredible work funded by the government just making super cool things that nobody has ever seen mm-hmm. everybody go to the NFB website Seriously. right now I a few years ago I was looking for a movie called The Tosser I didn't know that that's what it was called but I tweeted the NFB and they found it for me and added it to the catalog that's so amazing. I could watch it. Oh, my God. So, They're that, so agreeable. That happens. Well, and that's the thing is that I think that's the difference with something like a, um, a, a public trust like that is that they have a mandate to serve Canadian film and to serve actual human beings. They're mm-hmm. not just there for profit. So I think something like that is huge and amazing. And there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can just watch on yeah. there. I would recommend Nails. Which is a short documentary about making nails. I've seen it. Yeah. It's oh, amazing. It's pretty good. I, I thought it was a. Uh, There's a lot of good short. A lot shot. of good yeah. shorts on. No, no, it's it's, it's it's very manly, Sean. Oh, I'm sorry. There's, at one point, at the beginning and end, there was a man, in a, nail. I don't know, he's, he's with an can, anvil and a hammer making me. nails. Women can make nails with a, an anvil and a hammer. I know, but in in the in the film, it's a guy. <laughs> he knew. He was like. I, I was like, "What are you talking about?" Was, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, does this film make her score? And the NFB. Yeah. 
Um, did you guys see Men with Brooms as a... Nope. Since you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. I like, I like Men with Brooms. It's good. Um, all I remember is a rock exploding and a large chunk ending up closest to the button. Yeah. And that's not how curling works. Super how curling works. <laughs> so dramatic. Rocks don't break. They do when uh, Mr. Gross throws When them. Gross is whipping his rocks, yeah. <sighs> Look out. There's a lot more behind that rock than just a man's hand. Shoot. It was like... I've, I, maybe it was because I watched CBC a lot when I was a kid, but I remember seeing that commercial so many mm-hmm. times. And, like, the specific shot of a man, like, whipping out of the hack, like, in a circle. <laughs> Whatever that's called. What's a hack? The, uh, <laughs> hack is what you, oh, s- is that what you stand on to, like, throw your rock. Yeah. That's, little, okay. that's where you little, launch from. Those little, little divots launch pads? in that. Okay, yeah, little launch it. pad. I yeah. have, have curled. Ever, oh, okay, I was going to say. I'm just extremely curled? bad at it. Okay, now that's excusable then. And that's I fine. don't That's totally fine. Things. No, that's okay. Um, you're going to dust things off when we start our, spoiler alert, uh, team. Yeah. Oh, no. Tryouts for the fourth member of the spoiler alert curling team. Can I be the skip? You want the most important position. Do you know how to do that at all? Because I don't. Nope. You don't just skip down the ice if that's what you think. Anyway, Canadian stereotypes, they're not real. No, and they make us real. angry. They're real in movies. And they make me laugh. Sometimes, Sometimes. rarely, I would say they make me laugh. Fair enough. Um, another thing that I have watched <laughs> Tell me. is Strange Brew. I watched um, at the IMAX with friend of the show, Christy Zosman. I had never seen it before, before I went with her. And it was, it was great, actually. Yeah, what did you think? I liked it. I also... So bizarrely was attracted to Rick Moranis. That's and not I, a, that's not bizarre. I know. I mean. was found it bizarre. It hmm. is. I mean, it is bizarre, but I get it. Yeah, mostly because I've been like a young Moranis seeing him. Like I don't know, nerding it up the for kids. Yeah, honey, I shrunk the kids. It's uh, not his best. It for you. No, it was not as a careless parent like that. <laughs> Although in real life, he's a really nice parent. Yeah, no, what? he really he doesn't shrink the kids. He helps them grow. I feel. Like, <laughs> I feel like we could bring him back. Like we three yeah. in this room. Rick, I would like to dust off Rick, Rick Moranis and have yeah, him. Your, your kids must be back done growing. Yeah. It's time it's time to get back at her, buddy. Shrink yeah. him. We need you. No one's gonna shrink him. We no one's you. gonna shrink him now. Deadpool three, Rick, Rick Moranis. As the villain? Oh my god. He'd be a great villain. Wouldn't he? He's not oh, he a great would, villain. He kind of was the villain in Ghostbusters. What? No, he oh, wasn't. Kinda. He wasn't. He was the villain in Spaceballs. Yes. Yes, he was. And he was great. Mm-hmm. He's always Lord a Helmet. comedic Lord Helmet. villain. <laughs> Just thinking about the movie makes me giggle. Guys. Strange Brew. Can we talk about the most successful movie in Canada's history <laughs> yes. before Men with Brooms? Titanic. No, it is, of course, Porky's, Oh, <laughs> which is the complete opposite of Titanic. Jump off a boat. Have you seen Porky's? No, and I never will. Why not? I've never because seen Porky's Because it's either. it's founded on the objectification of women. Uh, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're like. Can I argue this? What's Porky's about? I think if I'd seen it before, I got to a certain point in my wokeness, where I was still young and impressionable and not just when hardened just by the asleep. world. I, th- I think when, when I was a cracking sheep, when I was yeah. still a little sheep. I, I, I think Porky <laughs> serves as an important Canadian text in Porky. In, in what? <laughs> as an important. Sean, important, I'm making you to stop. <laughs> as an important Canadian te- text to say, this is what you don't do in high school. 
That yeah. is what. That is what. Is that what it posits, though? Yeah, when I watched it, I was pretty uncomfortable a few times. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, no, there was some stuff. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't do that at all. I that's think a horrible a lot, idea. Isn't there a lot of like spying on women without their? There's, there's one particular part. Okay. But uh, they they anyway they get caught and uh, the women kind of get their revenge and they. Do I know some... I'm a, I know I'm a buzzkill. So tell me why what's important about Porky's. Oh, it's 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 a bunch of stuff you shouldn't do. But mm. the thing that's important is that it was the most successful Canadian movie for a really 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 long time. That is surprising. Yeah, like that. It was like, I don't know. Hmm. When was it made? Sixties, seventies, the eighties, eighties. I think the late eighties. Eighty-one. There's a Porky's wow. two, which I have never seen. Late Canadian eighties. Porky's. <laughs> and then Bond. Cop, That's more like the Canadian sixties. Bond Cop backup. Uh, took its throne uh-huh. in two thousand six. <laughs> so twenty twenty-five year dynasty. Well, it was like the I don't know about since, but girl. in the gap, in the gap, it was Porky's. Mm. Wow, that was the most. That's what people wanted to see from Canada. That was what was successful in the states. That's such a bummer. But did they know it was Canadian? No, because like not. I didn't know it was Canadian. No, no. I don't think so. I've, there's there's nothing telling about. I don't know if there's anything that says where it takes place. Mm. It's about a uh, bunch That's of high schools. Camp, right? No, no, high school students. Oh, I'm who, thinking of Meatballs. Oh, yeah, which no. is also Canadian. Oh, I didn't know that. But um, said, what's all this camp? meat? Movie? You know, Canadians, eh? We love a good yeah. piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> that was I know. surprising. Canadian bacon. Oh. And all that. Yeah. Do you guys want to, have you guys Tariffs. seen Canadian bacon? Let's move on to another Canadian movie. I haven't movie. seen it. John Candy? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, either. I love John Candy. It's not though. a Canadian movie, but it is very much a Canadian movie. Oh, I interesting. love it. it. It's all the triggers are Canadian for me. And it's yeah. not? It's uh, directed by Michael Moore. <gasps> what? Yeah, written and directed by. Hmm. <laughs> Did you guys know? I'm shocked. He's a okay, gasp, I don't right want to move on before you're done being shocked. <laughs> I don't know if this will shock you or not. Did oh. you guys know that Airbud is Canadian? I'm not surprised. I didn't hear him speak, so I. <laughs> driving you don't know if he has those raised, <laughs> yeah. raised vowels? Yeah. Oot and a boot. His fur looked too thick to be American. Yeah. I feel like we're running out of time, but I want to say other things that I like. So I'm just going to say Sarah Polly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just going to say I'm just going to say, Pauly. and specifically her film, The Stories We Tell, which is a documentary she made, which... About her family. ...is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then also, The Last Waltz was quite... T- sorry, The Last Waltz. You know, that documentary <laughs> about the band? <laughs> no. Sarah Polly made this waltz. Take This Waltz. Wow. Which was a movie with Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen. It was very good. Um, the Trotsky also is a movie I like. Oh, yeah. I wanted to watch The Trotsky. You've not seen? No. Oh, it's great. I will. I should do it. Jay Baruchel. Oh, giving it everything he's got. Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of excited to see what becomes of him because he uh, he's working on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I watched a few interviews and it's he's actually writing a lot specifically about Canadian history and mm-hmm. events in it. And uh, I would like to see a lot more of that. Yeah. Jay, you're on our who to watch yeah. meter. Get get to work. If people want to know more about my political beliefs. Watch the Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, sort of. Just kidding. Or Porky's kidding, but not really. Or Porky's too. <laughs> Reincarnation's like a, real. It's like a like negative example. Okay, <laughs> I think that we should slip into. Are we running out of time? I think that we should yeah. go into a what you watch and what you watching. Okay, what are you watching? <laughs> One of you too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I could go first if you want. Okay, sure. Okay, so I went to Jurassic World or Park or 6.5 version, whatever this is called. Yeah. It, um, I can't keep them all straight. It was so fun, um, but it was crazy insane. It, um, right out of the gate, so the heroes go back to the island, and not only are they faced with uh, these dinosaurs, as, as you might have guessed, <gasps> um, they're also with a like v- villainous uh, military faction, and also a volcano is exploding and raining magma on everyone. Liquid hot magma. Liquid Has- hot. Jer, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. I also have not. This is literally the beginning. Like, yeah, no, I wasn't saying that as like a no spoilers way. Oh, I see. But I was going to ask a clarification question as oh, to sure. whether the evil military was related to the last Jurassic World. But since... I don't think it is. I okay. think it's all a new one. Okay, great. Also, B.D. Wong pops back up in he, this. Oh, and of I course love, he does. I love a little B.D. Wong in He this. really should. So cute. He's so... And he's always so like... Sassy. Evil. Yeah, yeah and sassy. Um, also, there is um, there's like another shadowy villain, uh, like a dinosaur auction, um, where the dinosaurs just kind of walk a runway. It's like, <laughs> it's surprising. And then there's a, they invent a new dinosaur that's very vicious. It's a mixture, and it uses its claw. It all the shots of it are like it's using its claws like um, Edward Scissorhands or like a Freddy Krueger of him just like slowly like oh, moving no. his claws towards someone's face or like towards a doorknob. I it's, don't like it. It was really surprising. Oh, that's spooky. Um, and also a dinosaur sees something about to explode and goes and no. runs, <laughs> runs down the hallway as it explodes behind him. For real? It was a really Clever girl. Shot. Clever girl indeed. <laughs> so, they figured oh out God. causation. Oh, I, so I had a lot of fun. I'm excited to see Screening it. at 420 in the Tell afternoon. Tell me about Life finds Bryce, a way, you guys. Bryce Dallas Howard's shoes. They made, they had a very focal point of her stomping her foot out of the plane in a very sensible shoe. Because that was a big criticism mm-hmm. of the last Jurassic World, as I'm sure people are aware. She yeah. was the one who wanted to wear the shoe. I agree. And I honestly think you I really enjoyed her in that. Sorry. Oh, what? <laughs> I agree. That it was okay with her wearing. <laughs> I agree with you, Bryce Dallas Howard, about your own shoe. Roger that. Um, I, I found it more impressive. I don't or, agree with her. I mean, like she's. I don't understand where she lies with with the dinosaurs because she seemingly wants to kill them and save them. She's too much. It's conflicted. Um, but I do wish that she wore even more insane, like <laughs> like stilettos. five foot high stilettos, just like to with a fish down. swimming in the heat. Yeah, <laughs> just on stilts. Yeah, running. A tiny, tiny little underwater dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Absolutely. a good idea. Jer, what'd you watch? Uh, I watched a little movie called Red Sparrow, I think it was called. Red Sparrow, oh, that one was... Jennifer Law. Um, J-Law. It was J-Law. so much better than I thought it was oh, going really? to be. And it was... It addressed way more things than I thought it would. And oh. it went into a whole different sort of way that I I had... I was blown away. It wow. it wasn't um, like super amazing. I was just so shocked because I thought it was A and it was J. Whoa! Wow! Yeah, no. <laughs> I all, like that analogy. I was I didn't know what that was going to be, but now I get it. Um, it was really good. It's about uh, people in Russia who will do whatever they have to to keep going and uh, you know save the motherland, and some people who are trying to uh, subvert that. And I don't know. 
I don't really know when it takes place. It's mm. it's kind of current, but maybe sort of. But Russia really has that old timey feel where it it's hard to mother. tell. It it does, but they they go other places. They're mm. not just they're yeah. not yeah. So, but uh, no, it was really good, really well done. There's a lot of um, a lot of good actors in it, and uh, it is a, a rated R film, so don't bring <gasps> the kids. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But uh, no, my parents. It, it was actually surprisingly good. Oh, Go check great. it out. Yeah. I love when you're pleasantly surprised by a film. Yeah, Jared. no, that I was. You think it's A and it's J. It's we J. It's A and it's J. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I, don't, I do. I, like I just realized that we forgot to talk about Anne of Green Gables. Oh, I did have it on my list. So I need to say that it's... Do you know why I lived in PEI for three months and I do not like her? I, I do not like her. I think her. we've <laughs> talked about this before and I can't. As, but an that's actual, okay. as an actual person, yeah, that's the thing is that they j- get out of I, here, Anne. I think that's what I'm so was so surprised by is how much everyone canonizes her as a r- I feel real like girl. She's a real person, and like they have a whole like city, like you can't go to any Seven Eleven without a hat with two pigtails <laughs> stapled <laughs> to it <laughs> as like a crappy like souvenir. <laughs> Anyway, continue. As a, no, no, as oh a spirited, imaginative, and impulsive young girl, Anne was an important icon for me, both her and Pippi, which is interesting because, you know, oh. red braids. Mm. I'm only part ginger, but anyway. Um, I will say, just for the record, and this is like an official theory, I truly believe with all of my heart that Anne Shirley has ADHD, as I do. And I know that the diagnosis of fictional characters is a tenuous thing, and yada, yada, yada. We can have conversations about that. But I have had extensive time to think about this. (laughs) And I specifically thought of this uh, when the recent CBC series came out. Um, It's just called Anne, I think. Mm -hmm. And it is very good. I would encourage people to go watch it. But um, that's what made me clue in. And it was shortly after I got my own diagnosis, so I was thinking about it. Anyway. If only you could tell Aunt Marilla or... Malula, what's her name? (laughs) Marilla. Is it Marilla? Yeah. Okay, good. Aunt Malula. Anyway, (laughs) what I watched, I watched Ocean's 8 this week. I tried to go. Sorry, I didn't know you were doing an about face. I thought I'd do a hard about. I like to keep you guys on your toes. Um, I tried to go see The Incredibles 2. It was sold out. Of course. So it was. It was on How Monday. Do you do you not do you not have the app? I was gonna buy. buy I was going with a bunch of people. I was trying not to be controlling and just go with the flow and okay. look how that turned out. Okay, oh, yeah. wow. all right. <laughs> um, but it was Monday, so all the children were off school, and I think no, the parents no, no. were like, "Oh, we gotta go yeah. to the movies." So I saw Ocean's Eight. It was very fun. It was very fluffy. Um, I don't. I didn't fully agree with some of the criticism I saw that was like, eh, it was just kind of nothing, like just fun nothing. Because I yeah, thought no, there were some... I didn't get that either. Genuine, yeah. really, really Stuff good performances. Happened. Yeah. And like, like Anne really... Hathaway, oh my goodness. Anne Hathaway did really good. Oh my goodness. Like, blew me away. I can't say enough about the sexual tension between Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. Did not notice they it at all. They were lovers. I will die on this hill. <gasps> They were lovers. They are lovers. She even there's even a part where Sandra Bullock gets out of prison and she's like, "Well, you were my partner." And obviously she means in crime, but they specifically like if you're a queer person, I, I don't did, know, Sean, I, I shouldn't speak for you, but I didn't get any of it. I got serious vibes. And Kate Blanchett is incredible in that. Kate film. is well, Kate's wardrobe is incredible. Her bangs. Kate is basically just Kate. Her bangs. <laughs> just like I'll show up. Her bangs are good. Oh, the outfits were a great. Fringe. The performances were great. Who knew I agree that the with you. Equivalent of uh, Brad Pitt was Kate Blanchett. 
Um, who knew? Sorry, y'all. I have to cut you. Yeah, yeah it's time. Okay. Unfortunately, next week, both Sonia and I have a different gig, so we'll be missing, but we're very confidently leaving you all in Jeremy's very capable but very teeny tiny little hands. No. <laughs> no. We'll be back the week after next. Put your hand up against mine live on this radio right now. Sorry. It's Don't not do a visual this Donald medium. Trump thing to him. <laughs> We'd like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for letting us use the great song Manituna for our theme song. And thanks to my amazing co-hosts and everyone at CJTR and all of you for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday mornings at 9, and is available as a podcast on CJTR website. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so give us a follow, and have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.